Thank you, Ben, for reading tonight. We are looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, the passage read a moment ago. We appreciate so much your presence tonight. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. We're very grateful for your presence today. Uh, we've got uh, a thin number tonight. I guess June, people are traveling, but the DO and I were talking about that a minute ago. And so it's, I guess, that time of year where people are taking vacations, and so we want to uh, certainly be prayerful for those who are traveling, uh, and hopefully and prayerfully they'll be back very, very soon. We are going to be looking at Mark chapter 5 in just a minute. I do want to encourage you, I know we've got a number of things that are coming up this summer. Uh, I think uh, VBS is just around the corner. Uh, if you are working on that, or if you're planning to be a part of that, uh, we certainly want to encourage you in that work. We're very grateful for all the work that has gone into VBS thus far. I think that it begins a week from Monday night? Tomorrow? Yeah, a week from tomorrow. Okay, my bad. All right, a week from tomorrow. But anyway, if you're going to be participating in that, uh, we certainly want to encourage you in that work. Uh, the young folks are going to be taking a trip to Newton, Iowa, the end of the month. Is that right? And so, uh, and then, uh, uh, looks like I'm the Lone Ranger when it comes to going to Jamaica this year. And uh, I really wasn't looking to go, wasn't planning to go, but I'm going. And so uh, I'm not really sure how all that's going to go, but uh, hopefully and prayerfully it'll be a good week. And I uh, hope and pray that I don't get stranded at the airport for, what, 14, 15 hours. If I do and you hear an explosion, then uh, you'll know what happened. But uh, we look at Mark chapter 4. Uh, the other week when I was in Chesapeake, Virginia, my flight left at 5.45 a.m. And so I had to get up at 2.45 a.m. our time. And I got to the airport and boarded the plane, and we're supposed to be leaving at 5.45, and the captain came on and he said, uh, we've got electrical trouble. And so we got a guy coming to look at the plane, and he said, uh, I don't really think he can fix it, but we'll just sit tight and see what happens. Well, he came back on a few minutes later, and he said, looks like we're going to have to deboard the plane. And so he said, I don't really think he can fix it, but we're going to wait and see what happens. So get off the plane, go sit in the... Uh, Go, go sit out in the lobby, and uh, anyway, I'm sitting there waiting. They come back on the loudspeaker and say, well, we can board. The plane's fixed, and we're ready to go. And so we're running tight. I'm supposed to connect in Atlanta at like 8.15, and I missed my connecting flight by about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And so I got to sit and people watch in the Atlanta airport for a couple of hours. But uh, when you're flying, you're flying at... Uh, I guess uh, you're just uh, really, you just never know what's going to happen. So hopefully and prayerfully, uh, I won't have to wait in an airport for 14 hours as they did. All right, we're going to look at Mark chapter 4. Tonight I want us to think for a minute or two about a rough night on the sea. I have never spent really any time at all per se at sea. I know that there are some people that by trade, spend large amounts of time at sea. There's some because of the military, they spend a lot of time at sea. And if you know anything about the sea, you know that it can be rough at times. I remember several years ago, some 
people that I know very closely took a cruise up through Alaska. And they said as they made their way up through Alaska on one occasion or on this particular trip, they said it got really, really rocky. As a result of that, the doctor had to make quite a few calls trying to settle the stomachs of a lot of folks. And so the sea can be turbulent, it can be rocky, and in Mark chapter 4 we read of such an occasion. So tonight I want us to think about a rough night at sea. And I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the dangers at sea. There are a lot of inherent dangers, obviously, connected to the sea. And those of you that have spent any time at all out at sea, you know that there are any number of things that can happen, and certainly this is, I think, great evidence of that. In Mark chapter 4, Mark gives an account of Jesus and the disciples crossing over to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible says in verse 35, on the same evening, or rather on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. Verse 37 says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. Now, Matthew tells us in his account in chapter 8 that this particular storm was sudden. So I want you to think with me for a moment or two about the suddenness of the storm. And really what I want you to think about specifically has to do with the suddenness of the storms of life. Have you ever thought about how quickly life can change? Sometimes we talk about life changing on a dime. I think about individuals that brace themselves for the possibility of a tornado. Earlier in the day, all was well, all was calm, and then a tornado comes through and literally leaves in its wake thousands upon thousands of dollars in damages. In 2009, the tornado, as you well know, came through Olive Branch, did about a million dollars worth of damage to this building. And I remember when I got a call Brother Tim called me, Tim Cathy, and said, we've been hit by a tornado, and he said, it's really bad. When I got here, water was literally running down the halls. And so it was bad. And it took quite a while for us to recover and get back on our feet. But life can change on a dime. Do you remember in the book of Job? The Bible talks about the difficulties that Job faced in life. And there's a phrase that is used in Job chapter 1 at least three times. The statement is made, and while he was still speaking, messengers came to Job, you remember? Informing him of one loss, and as that messenger is relaying the events that had occurred, another messenger arrives. 
And the text says, as he was still speaking, another messenger comes. And then another messenger. And then a third messenger. And the news was devastating. Sometimes we get devastating news. Imagine if you can, going to your physician this week and hearing that you have cancer. And as you're sitting in the doctor's office and you receive word, you get a text message. And the message is that your home has been destroyed. Everything is lost. And then a telephone call. More bad news. One of your children has been killed. That's the kind of devastating news that Job was faced with centuries ago. And so you think about the suddenness of this particular storm. And so by way of application, I think about the suddenness of the storms of life and how things can be calm and tranquil, everything can be going well in life, and then in just a matter of minutes, our lives can literally be turned upside down. So I think about the suddenness of the storm, but then note also the severity of the storm. Mark said, this great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already feeling, filling. And Jesus was in the stern asleep on the pillow and they awoke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Let me just pause here for a minute. Sometimes the storms of life can be not only sudden but severe, can't they? You think about some of the difficulties that we're faced with here on planet Earth. The storms of life can first and foremost test our faith, can't they? Do you not think that Job's faith was tested when he experienced horrific losses in his life? Do you remember in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about the people in the first century who were facing unbelievable trials and he said in 1st Peter chapter 1 that the testing of your faith sometimes our faith is put to the test isn't it so there's not only the possibility of our faith being tested but I would suggest also that our faith might be threatened by the storms of life in other words, the difficulties that we face in this life can sometimes be so turbulent and so horrific that we find out what we're made of. In other words, we find out just how strong or weak we are in the faith. Do you not think that Job did a lot of soul searching during and after the losses that he sustained. I know that in Job chapter 3, the Bible says Job cursed the day that he was born in verse 1. His desire to have never been born. And then he said, the thing which I feared the most has happened to me. Some of Job's deepest, darkest fears were realized. So yes, the storms of life can indeed test our faith, 
They can threaten our faith, but I would submit to you that they can also toughen our faith. In other words, as we experience the difficulties and the trials of life, first and foremost, we find out what we're made of. But is it not the case that the difficulties of life can be a learning process? You know, in James chapter 1, when James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, I don't think James was saying that when we're in the midst of trials that we have a joyful disposition, that we're happy about adversity, but I think what he is saying is once those trials have passed and the waters have calmed, so to speak, it affords us the opportunity to step back and to reflect upon what we faced. And we can begin asking some questions. Okay, what have I learned from these difficulties? Do you remember in Romans chapter 5, Paul talks about how those of us who have been justified by faith have peace with God. In verse 3, he said, talking about those of us who belong to the family of God, tribulation, it's part of life, isn't it? And he said, tribulation worketh perseverance or patience. And he said, perseverance or patience leads to character. And character to hope. And so what he's saying is that sometimes when we face tribulation and trial and difficulty in life, sometimes when we face the suddenness of the storms of life and those severe storms in life, they can be faith building and character building. Would you agree? Don't you think that when it's all said and done, Job could look back over his life and think about some of the things that he had learned, some of the things that had been ingrained deeply in him? I think one of the greatest passages of Scripture in the book of Job is chapter 13. When Job said, and we talk about Job and the things that he experienced in life. And Job would say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Sometimes we may not necessarily understand. There have been times in life when people have asked me in the midst of adversity, why? Why? Why am I going through this? Why am I faced with this dilemma? What's going on in my life? And let me tell you, I don't always have an answer. I remember, be, I remember being with a friend of mine on one occasion. And we were called to the home of a family. A young lady in her 20s had just received word that her father had been killed in an automobile accident. And so we get there, and she is hysterical. And I was grateful to have this older brother with me. And she's asking, why, why, why? And he said, there's no need to go there right now. No need to talk about why. And we understand why, because we live in a world that's filled with pain and sorrow and trials and tribulations and accidents occur, don't they? But the pain can be enormous. So first of all, we think about the dangers at sea. And you know, the world in which we live is not a perfect world. And we're exposed to danger really just about in every sector of society, aren't we? And so danger is 
a reality in life. Now there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. First we think about the dangers at sea, but then secondly, what about the doubts? Specifically, the disciples and their doubts on the sea. I want to begin this point by saying sometimes when we face the storms of life, we can become disillusioned. In other words, they can hinder our perception of reality, can't they? Sometimes when life is out of whack and things aren't going necessarily as planned, and maybe our world has been turned upside down, it's tough sometimes to see things as they really are, and so we become disillusioned, don't we? And I think that was the case here. And so listen to what Mark says in verse 38. This great windstorm has, has arisen, and Jesus is asleep. And the Bible says they awoke him. And they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Could I ask you a question tonight? Do you think Jesus cared about them? Sometimes when things are out of kilter in life and we become disillusioned, I think two things happen. We begin to question whether or not the Lord cares about us and we question whether or not he is concerned about us. Listen. What they felt out on the Sea of Galilee was not uncommon and is not uncommon. Do you remember, do you remember in Psalm 142, David, the great king of Israel? And David, in the long ago, said, listen to him, no one cares for my soul. That's in Psalm 142, in about verse 4. Do you really think that no one cared for David? Do you believe that? I don't believe that. But I think sometimes our perception can, be, can become skewed. When tough times come, sometimes it's easy for us to sit back and say, you know what, nobody really cares. Nobody's really concerned about, about me and my plight and my situation and the severity of my trials. So they asked the question, Lord, do you not care? Jesus cares. Do you remember in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, and we reference this passage a lot. And I would encourage you, if you don't have this verse underlined in your Bible, you ought to underline it. Because when tough times come, it's a great source of encouragement. And here's what Peter said, casting all your care upon him. And he said, for he cares for you. What he's saying is, look, God cares deeply about you. He cares about all of us and in this world. I mean, you think about a world of some 7 billion people. And sometimes we feel like in this world full of people that no one understands, that no one can comprehend the depth of hurt 
that we're experiencing, that no one cares, that no one is concerned, but the Lord cares, and the Lord is concerned. In Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus talked about the problem of worry, and it's a problem. He talked about the problem of worry or anxiety, and he asked the question, why do you worry? But in order to illustrate to the people of his day the genuine care and concern of the Father, he said, look at the birds of the air. He said, they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asked this question, are you not of more value than they? How would you answer that question? Well, the answer is obviously the Lord cares. If God is mindful and concerned with the small birds of the air, do you not think he's concerned about us? That he deeply cares about us? And so when we face difficulties and severe storms in life, sometimes we become disillusioned. Sometimes not only do we become disillusioned, but we become distressed. Distress can lead to fearfulness and fretfulness. Look, if you would, at the text. The Bible says that they awoke Jesus and they asked, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I mean, after all, we're about to die here at sea. Do you not care? Do you not understand what's going on here? And then drop down if you would. And look at verse 40. And listen to the question Jesus asked. Why are you so fearful? Sometimes we're fearful in life, aren't we? We're fear, we, we are filled with fear and anxiety. I mentioned a moment ago, Matthew chapter 6. Three times in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, do not worry. We're fearful in life. We fret or become anxious over any number of problems and trials and tribulations that we face in life. Do you remember in Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, in nothing be anxious. In other words, don't worry. And I think if Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and Paul has been imprisoned. Paul certainly had a lot of things to be concerned about and maybe worried about, but he's writing to quell the fears of these people and their anxieties, and he says, in nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And then he said, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, sometimes because of the difficulties of life, we live in fear. We live in anxiety and worry. And these, these men, they were disillusioned and they were in distress. Now, there's something else I want you to see in our study. We talk about the dangers at sea and their doubts. But note, if you would, 
their discernment at sea. In other words, as a result of what happened, they learned some things, didn't they? I mean, these guys, they've been out on the sea with the Lord Jesus, and they have faced a sudden and severe storm. And so the text tells us that Jesus arose, listen to verse 39, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be, that even the wind and sea obey him? So what about the lessons that they learned at sea? What could they have taken back home from this experience? I think first and foremost, they learned something about the power of the Lord, didn't they? Don't you think they learned something about the power of the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, listen again to what the text says. Jesus arose. The winds are beating and, the, and howling. And the sea is turbulent. And they're scared to death. And Jesus arises and says, Peace be still. And I bet that lake, or rather that sea, was as calm as could be. That's power. So when we face the storms of life, is it not the case that the Lord can help us survive? I mean, isn't that what we're trying to do? We're trying to hold on and go on? I think about the importance of holding on and going on, come what may. Look, it can get tough out there in life. And you think about some of the difficulties that people face on a daily basis. Dealing with cancer and all of the horrendous after effects of cancer and treatment. Or dealing with the aging process and sometimes the debilitating effects of aging. And dealing with friends and family members who are suffering and who are hurting and who have experienced loss. Life can get tough. And so to look to the Lord as someone who can help us survive. Here's what David said in Psalm 55. And David faced some tough times in life. And if you go back and look at the Psalms, there were a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys in his life. And I think David spent a lot of time down in the valley. But David said in Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord. And what will he do? The Bible says he will sustain you. In other words, he will get you through it. He'll help you. He will help you get over the hump, as we say. So the Lord's going to help us survive. But then I think also the Lord can strengthen us through the storms of life. Do you remember when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and in chapter 4, verse 13 said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul faced a lot of adversity in his life. 
On one occasion, he talked about that thorn in the flesh that had plagued him. He said, I prayed to the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. To realize that the Lord will help us survive and that he will strengthen us. Something to be said about the power of the Lord. I think one of the greatest psalms in Psalm 121, the psalmist said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. He asked the question, from whence comes my help? And he said, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. I think what he's saying is if God has the power to bring the world into being, he has the power to aid his people. And he did bring the world into being, and he does have the power to help his people. Second thing, first, they learned something about the power of the Lord, but they also learned something about the presence of the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? The Lord is with us all the time, isn't he? Remember the song that we, I remember when I was, when I was just a, a young fella, and we used to sing the song, Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. And I think one of the things that that song says to me is, the Lord is always with us, ever present. Now I want you to think about something. In Mark chapter 4, as Mark narrates this event that occurred in the life of Christ and his disciples, when Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side, was he with them? Yes, he was. When they were on that ship and things were rocky and it looked like they were going to die out at sea, was the Lord with them? Yes, he was. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, when they came to the other side, was the Lord with them? Yes, he was. So what's the point? The Lord Jesus was with them before the storm. He was with them during the storm. And he was, he was with them after the storm. So what does that say to me? says, no matter what I face in life, the Lord is always at my side. Do you remember the words of the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 13 when he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a rock-solid promise made by the Lord. And what God is saying is, I will never, ever, ever leave you. Why? Because you're my, you're my child. So they learned something about the presence of the Lord. Again, I would reference the book of Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Paul had just encouraged them to rejoice in the Lord. In verse 5, he would say, the Lord is at hand. The Lord was by his side, wasn't he? Paul's in prison, chained to a Roman guard, and where's the Lord? Right there beside him. The Lord was with Paul before he went into prison. He was with him during prison. He was with him when he got out of prison. Third thing, very quickly. They learned something about the peace of the Lord, didn't they? Look again at our text. Jesus said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The Lord has the ability to stable the waters of life, doesn't he? I mean, just think about how quickly things can go awry in life. And how one minute everything can be fine, 
We're just sailing along. Everything's going great. Life is good. Our health is good. Our family's good. I mean, we have it all. And then just like that, everything begins to come apart. But as a Christian, don't you believe that the Lord has the ability to bring about peace in the midst of turbulent waters? The Bible says there was a great calm. And these guys asked the question, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Let me tell you what, they learned something about Jesus, didn't they? I mentioned a moment ago what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 when he talked about the peace that passes all understanding. Now, if you read on in that text, Paul's going to talk about some of the adversities that he faced. And he's going to say, you know what? I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. Paul learned some things. And I think as we experience difficulties and trials, we learn that the source of contentment is the Lord. And this internal peace that we have is not dictated by what's going on in the world around us. I mean, just like the disciples, we could be out at sea and it could, look, it could look really bleak. But with the Lord on our side, there's peace and tranquility, isn't there? Aren't you grateful to be a Christian? Aren't you thankful to have the Lord on your side? I mean, think about people in our world that are facing some tough, tough times and they don't have the Lord. And yet... As Christians, we have God on our side. And as has been said so many times before, one plus God is always a majority, isn't it? The disciples had the Lord with them. Whatever we face in life, the Lord will be with us. And we talk about a, ro a rocky, rough night at sea. Let me tell you, these guys experienced that. And you might be experiencing some turbulence in your life. When the Lord's a part of your life, all is well no matter what. So what we have to do is be faithful all the way come what may. Tonight if you're here and you're not a Christian and you've never obeyed the gospel, why not do that tonight? Why not believe that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, the Son of God? Why not willingly make a choice tonight that you're going to live for him day in, day out, come what may? What would you need to do? Well, you believe that he's the Son of God. Repent of your sins, as Jesus said in Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others like the eunuch did in Acts 8, verse 37. Be baptized so that all your sins can be washed away. God will then put you in the church. And the assurance is if you're faithful till death, the crown of life awaits you. If you're here tonight and you're not what you ought to be as a child of God, you need the prayers of the church. Look, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. And I want to close by saying it might be that you're here tonight and life as you know it's not going as planned. And you're facing some tough, tough days. And you've, you've spent a lot of rough nights and rough days too. And you just need the prayers of the church. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. 
Because as God's people, we have that right, don't we? We have that privilege. So let us pray with you and for you tonight as we stand and sing.